welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, and for the first time in podcast history, it's going to be me by myself, at least for the start of this podcast. I did actually conduct a short, I think it was 10 to 15 minute interview conversation uh, with former guest host, actually. The last time I talked to this gentleman, he was co-hosting the podcast with me in place of Hummer. I think it was the first time I had ever done it with someone who was not Hummer. Scotty Whitehouse joins the podcast. Um, the last time we spoke, I think, was post-Paradise Jam, which was post-Meltdown against Valparaiso, something like that. I, anyway, far different circumstances. He is actually a massive Indiana basketball fan. And so who better to talk to? Then Scotty Whitehouse about the most recent transfer portal commit to the UC Bearcats basketball program, Rob Finnessy. So we'll get into that later. I definitely want to get into the state of the UC basketball program as two of three open roster spots have been uh, gobbled up with one-year players in the transfer portal. And we'll get into that. Um, good news. Hummer is likely going to be recording a podcast with me on Sunday. We will also be joined by Joe Barnett, the councilman. We're going to talk a lot about the football program. We're going to talk about spring practice, uh, whispers from those practices, maybe not even whispers, reports from those practices. We'll obviously talk about the big news of one Corey Kiner entering the transfer portal only two hours later, commit to the University of Cincinnati. Spoiler alert, folks, that was in the works for a long time. We had actually, on this podcast, we had heard whispers that that was in play months ago. This is pre-Brian Kelly. I think it's actually the weekend I went to Mad Tree Brewing with Joe to watch the South Florida game. Regardless, you don't know what's going to happen with those things. Sometimes a whisper becomes reality. Sometimes it just fades off into the distance, never to become anything. Um, in this case, it, it became real. With Brian Kelly heading down south, joining the LSU program as the head football coach, you're not sure. Like, is this going to be something that keeps Connor on board? The familiarity with Mike Denbrock, um, the wizard that he is for, for developing players and, and running... I mean, look, Denbrock was extremely successful in terms of running back production. But it's a crowded backfield, and uh, Brian Kelly's tends to be a prick by all accounts. So uh, is anyone that surprised that he decided to pack up his bags and come back home? Not I. I'm happy about it. I think it's great news for the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. I also think as we head into the Big 12, this type of player, this caliber of player should become more and more commonplace. And you're going to see our fan base hopefully continue to be as appreciative and excited about this type of talent as we are for the Corey Kiners and, and, and Mario's of the world. We need more of these players to level up and make ourselves legitimate national title contenders um, into the future on a consistent basis, not just once in program history. Um, Let's get into, this isn't about football, though. I'm, I'm, I'm checking in with you because of basketball. I think that with two commits in the books, we need to touch base on, on how Wes Miller is approaching 
building back Bearcat basketball. So let's get into that. We, I don't want to spend too much time rehashing what happened year one under Wes Miller. You've, it's, we're on the record about it. I didn't find it to be an incredibly impressive first year. There's obviously a ton of grace given for how hastily Wes Miller had to throw together a roster in year one. No one's kidding themselves. It's not the most talented roster. It wasn't the most talented roster last season. Uh, but there were pieces in place where you could have potentially envisioned a frisky defensive team that had just enough offense to squeak out a top three or four finish in the American Athletic Conference. I truly believe that. I still believe that. That didn't happen. Bearcats, I think, finished eighth in the conference, um, win their first conference tournament game against East Carolina, and then lose to Houston for the third time in the season. It, it's been tough sledding against Houston recently. And and that was the second or maybe even third consecutive season. And that was, or it was our second consecutive season um, ending at the hands of the Houston Cougars. So here we are heading into our offseason, and when you listen to Wes Miller's press conference, it's obvious that he's going to have radically honest conversations with his players about the future. He is not going to hold back. He wants to be transparent, and all of and that is a good thing. He should be transparent with these players because where we are in the world of college basketball with NIL, with Transfer Portal, there's going to be opportunities for them to pick up and find another opportunity that works better for them. So after these conversations happen, shortly thereafter, you know, Mason Madsen hits the transfer portal. Rob Banks hits the transfer portal. A.J. McGinnis hits the transfer portal. And, and the one that pained me the most. And, and I seem personally maybe more upset than any other fan. I don't, I don't get the sense that everybody's that broken up about this. But Mike Saunders Jr. hit the portal. This one hurt me because when you looked at the roster... One of the few players we had that I could see growing and developing into a very good junior and senior year player, this guy, let's face it, also had three years of eligibility left, was Mike Saunders Jr. But given the roster construct, given the fact that David DeJulius decided to return, and given the fact that while rumored to be entering the portal, Micah Adams-Woods, I highly doubt, had a ton of viable options on the table for him. He's also already played three years at Cincinnati. Like, why not finish out your career as a Bearcat? Micah Adams-Woods comes back. You've got the same exact backcourt situation you did last year. And I'm sure Mike Saunders Jr. looked at it and said, I don't have a path for the type of role I want. I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. And sure enough, he ends up at the Salt Lake City campus for the University of Cincinnati with Gabe Madsen and Tim Morris. So, after... Those departures, the Bearcats then have three open roster spots to play with. For a refresher, our roster going into next season looked like this. David DeJulius, John Newman III, Jeremiah Davenport, Micah Adams-Woods, Odio Guama, Jared Hensley, Victor Locken, Daniel Skillings, Josh Reed, and Sage Tolentino. There's obviously plenty of needs. Needs abound, but you only have three roster spots. So when I'm thinking through this, heading into the portal, portal season, hashtag, I'm thinking, okay, we obviously need a big. 
because we're losing Abdullah Du, we're losing Hayden Caval. Whatever problems you have with them as players, they were two of the more trustworthy bigs on the roster. I would argue Wes Miller trusted those two bigs more than anyone else on the roster last year. We're losing both of them. And they were both rim protectors. Victor Locken, we've seen flashes of brilliance, but we've also seen an inability to consistently compete physically in the American Athletic. And with Odio Guama, we've seen uh, you know, a lack of finishing touch around the rim, uh, a proclivity to, to commit fouls, uh, you know, stupid fouls, for lack of a better term. And, and just both of those guys had trouble staying on the court and gaining the trust of Wes Miller. With them being the only quote-unquote bigs on this team outside of a freshman Sage Tolentino, which, pardon me, but I'm just not going to bank on a freshman being ready year one. So he's sort of out of my conversation, out of the picture for me in terms of being a year one contributor. I looked at it and said, okay, I have to envision Wes Miller and his staff wanting two portal bigs by hook or by crook. I suspect both of them would be grad transfers, one year of eligibility type guys. Turns out that wasn't the same. I don't think they saw it the same way. They did add a big, different type of profile though. Kalu Ezekbe from Old Dominion is coming aboard for the Bearcats. And I'm not going to pretend to be an Old Dominion expert. He looks to be someone who, A, has a solid shooting touch out to mid-range. B, has solid rebounding abilities. You can see him getting after it on the offensive glass, defensive glass, averaged about 11.7 boards at Old Dominion. And um, can catch and finish around the rim. There's more offensive talent. There's more, there's a, there's a greater offensive skill set there than anyone, any big that was on the roster last year. Now, that sounds slanderous when you consider how high I am on Victor Lockin. Victor Lockin is a more talented big than Ezekbe, but physically he was so he was he was so easily pushed around last year and and not able to control the ball that in terms of being a ready-made big, ready to compete in American athletic basketball, Kalu is someone who can come in, step in day one, and do that. So I do think that was a, a nice pickup by the university, a nice pickup by the program, and, and filled a very obvious and apparent need for next year's team. Now, the next two spots, I think, are less obvious. All spring here, all, all late winter, early spring, there's been buzz about Wes Miller and his staff looking for essentially a point guard. Like, a point guard was a priority for this staff. And it's the one thing I have not been able to, to grasp. I don't understand this obsession with getting another point guard in this roster, and here's why. Think back on how we played Temple. Temple bodied us in, in our second matchup last year. And they did it primarily because we started a backcourt that was Micah, Micah Adams-Woods at point guard, 6'2". Yes, a long wingspan, but he is a 6'2 guard. There's no size there, and he's not a good rebounder. The two guard was David DeJulius, six foot, even smaller, even shorter wingspan. When you have any size at guard, you are able to overwhelm and overpower our backcourt. And for a team that has such limited offensive capability, it felt imperative that coming into next season, we needed to find a way 
to build a roster that could be more competitive defensively night in, night out. I don't see an easy path to become that type of defensive team if we continue to start David DeJulius as a two. If, you ins- if we continue to insist on having an incredibly tiny micro backcourt, I just don't see, I don't see how the Bearcats become defensively the type of team they need to be in order to win the amount of games we need to win to be more competitive in the American Athletic Conference. Now, I'm sure plenty of you are saying, well, Villanova, four guards, dude. There's plenty of teams out there that are, that are, that are running lots of guard lineups. Yeah, I get it. There are. I would love to run smaller lineups with, with more skill on the court. The problem is, if you're going to play that style of basketball, you've got killers on the perimeter. You've got guys that are punishing teams with relentless attacks to the basket, with the ability to shoot outside, with the ability to attack and finish, with the ability to attack and create for other teammates. David DeJulius shows flashes of that. David DeJulius has the ability to create his own shot and has shown flashes of being able to be a playmaker. He doesn't consistently blend the two very well together. You either get playmaker David or you get scoring David. You don't necessarily get these holistic performances that I think we need um, from him more often. But Micah Adams-Woods is not that guy, all right? He's not that guy. Mike Saunders Jr. last year wasn't that guy. Mason Madsen wasn't that guy. So you don't have enough offensive talent to run that type of system. So here we are, and we get our second commit in the portal, and it's Rob Finnessy from Indiana. And if you look at Rob's physical profile, he's a 6'1 point guard. He's played four years at IU already. Last season, he shot 31% from the field. He shot 26% from three, and he shot 41% from the free throw line. If I was talking to Brett Stein, he'd say, come on, dude. He only shot 17 free throws. Fair. Fair. Okay. Small sample size. He shot 66%, 72.5%, and 63.8% his freshman, sophomore, and junior year. This is a guy that physically... Let's say he's, I don't, I don't know what the roles are going to be, right? But if he's playing with David DeJulius, your starting backcourt is 6'1 and six foot nothing, and one of those guys is not a threat from the outside. And frankly, David DeJulius, as solid as his season was last year, like it was a big step up from year one with the Bearcats. He, he's not a devastating shooter from the outside. Like teams aren't aren't shaking in their boots at the thought of David DeJulius hoisting a three-pointer. He shot 20% as a junior and 29.7% as a as a senior last year. Like this is I'm not sure what the vision is. You know, by all accounts, Rob Finnessy is a is a defensive master, right? Like he's a bulldog. And when you hear me talk to Scotty, he's he's a culture guy. You know, he's he's a leader. He sets the tone, plays the right way. The comparison I floated out there was Justin Jennifer without the jump shot. Um, you know, it's not like Justin was a prolific scorer, but his senior year he could knock down a three-pointer at like a 40, 43, 44% clip. I mean, it was he was he was lights out. That's not going to be Rob Finnessy, but he is someone who can defend apparently and maybe deliver a consistent level of effort in the mold of 
John Newman III. And I can wrap my head around that to an extent. But what, it, what it's brought to light for me and where it's given me some clarity is that we are more or less entering year two of stopgap, year two of purgatory, year two of no real expectations. Like the, the roster that we're putting together here is not a roster that is expected to really compete for a tournament berth. You know, we're, they're filling spots with guys who are occupying a scholarship for one year because Wes Miller and his staff are going all in on 2023 when the Bearcats enter the Big 12. And they're doing that in all likelihood because of how dramatically the plates have shifted in college basketball. The transfer portal and NIL, and I'm putting NIL in air quotes because the way that universities are now stockpiling war chests of millions of dollars to basically buy players. That's not what NIL actually is. It's what we're calling it now, but it's not actually what NIL is or was supposed to be. But that has created a world where we are going to see more and more concentration of the best talent to the, to the schools and programs with the most resources. And unfortunately, the Bearcats are not a school with the most resources right now. There's plenty of, of, of moving and shaking happening behind the scenes where we're trying to level up. We're trying to put together you know, the, the infrastructure to allow Wes Miller to go after more prestigious portal talent. But as it stands, you know, upgrading your roster in the transfer portal sounds nice until you realize that all of the other elite basketball schools and even non-elite basketball schools, I should just call them well-capitalized basketball schools, are trying to do the same thing. And that they're going to be poaching the best players from the less well-capitalized schools for the foreseeable future. And we're trying to figure out a way to prevent that from happening, not only prevent it from happening, but also making ourselves a legitimate player for top portal talent, but then also top high school talent. Enter Rayvon Griffith, enter Isaiah Collier. You know, th that shit ain't free. That's, that's the new world order. That shit ain't free. And so I am glad, I'm glad that our administration and our coaching staff and the powers that be are taking that seriously and doing what we can to, to start luring that type of player but the reality is, you know, is that we're, you know, we're, we're probably entering another difficult season. And I think it's, it's healthy that this year we've got a little more perspective about that. Maybe I'm, speak, I'm saying we, but me. I'm glad I have a more open mind the fact that if this was professional basketball, which it sort of is becoming, that uh, we're not tanking. We're definitely not tanking. But we're kind of, we're, we're keeping our assets close to the vest. You know, we don't have draft capital to trade. There's no, there's no, there's nothing like that happening. There's no payroll. There's no, there's no luxury tax to, to keep in mind. But we're, we're keeping plenty of scholarships open for that 2023 class and beyond. We're not throwing out offers to younger talent that isn't as much of a sure thing. And essentially it feels like we're, 
We're trying to level up for 2023 and beyond. I'm open-minded about it. I'm disappointed in terms of the direction they're heading for this coming season because I do think I just fundamentally disagree with with going with a guy like Rob Finnessy. He might be a great culture guy. He might be, you know, a great defender. But you've got David DeJulius, who can play point guard. Let us not forget, this guy can play point guard. And you have Mike Adams-Woods on the team, too, who Wes Miller played, I think, 27 minutes a game last year. And he, he views him as a point guard. We had two point guards on this roster. We did not need another one. I don't understand it. Why not try and get more size on the perimeter? Why not leave that two spot more open for a guy like Daniel Skillings, who's coming in as a talented sharpshooter, who's also a six seven with a seven foot wingspan? That type of size will make a difference. So why not why not leave more room open for those young talented players, the Josh Reeds, the Daniel Skillings? Let them have more opportunity to go out there and kill it year one, and you know. Throw in some stop gaps in, at, at, at the forward and center positions. You know, we need some answers. We're desperate for some answers at those positions. We don't have any clear uh, shoe-ins at this point. So I, I, I am a little confused by this, you know, obsession or persistence from the staff on getting a point guard. It doesn't, it, it doesn't jive with me in terms of what we needed. I saw us get beat up physically in the backcourt too, too often last year. And an insult to injury is the fact that you're not bringing in a point guard who can light it up offensively. Like, this isn't leaning into, hey, fine, we're going to stay small, but at least we're going to be able to, you know, light it up a little bit more on the scoreboard. No, that's that's not what's going to happen with Finnessey, and you'll hear that with, with my interview with Scotty. Anyway, it, it's a bit rambly. I think we'll probably hit on this a little bit more with Hummer and, and Joe, and they can hold me accountable for any for any nonsense I said. We'll see, we'll see where it heads, too. There's one more scholarship to fill. Um, you know, there are... There's, there's some interesting prospects out there. Sean McNeil is, uh, is visiting the Bearcats here coming up, and, and he's, he's a guy who's also looking at Indiana, and he's looking at Louisville, and, you know, those are schools that I guarantee already have the war chest established of NIL uh, NIL incentives, NIL sweeteners. So we'll, I, I'm sure it takes something to get him to Cincinnati. There's more opportunity here. He's not necessarily a defender. He's not huge, but at least he's 6'4", sharpshooter from the outside. Like, that's an interesting piece. So th things are coming together, but it looks like we're going to be pretty thin at the front court um, based on how much backcourt talent they're adding and the and what's already on the roster you are probably in a situation where i don't know like there, there's so much interesting roster conversation to happen i'm, I'm gonna stop it there because i could go all night long pontificating about the direction we're heading but i don't want this to be seen purely as a downer i think it's an interesting tact that west miller is taking right now i think that they they don't want to over Basically, I think they're looking at it as a, a cost-benefit analysis. And it's how far can our resources take us this year in the transfer portal to get us instant results? And they're making the calculation that not very far, right? We can, we can you know, through different channels and whatnot, maybe we could have lured a marginally more talented player from the portal 
But would it have really made that big of a difference? Probably not. So why not hold those resources back and go all the way in in 2023? And if in it's it's April 20th right now, March 1st, May I'm sorry, May 1st is right around the corner. And if May, May 1st comes and we hear that Rayvon Griffith is committing to the University of Cincinnati, the tenor is going to be nothing but optimism and hope. And if we head into the Big 12 in 2023 with a, a combination that looks something like Daniel Skillings, Josh Reed, Rayvon Griffith, and Isaiah Collier, throw in my boy Vic, you know, I think we're going to be some happy Bearcat fans. So I remain optimistic, but it's optimistic for the, you know, I'll call it distant future. I think we do have another challenging year ahead of us. I think that we're learning the hard lesson of what the new world order is in college basketball. And I think it's going to cause the administration, but also the fan base to, to look inward and, and how do we as fans, as donors, as as people who love Cincinnati Bearcats sports, how do we get more involved to give our university the best possible chance to thrive in the current college sports landscape? And that'll be interesting. I am now joined by an old friend of the podcast, someone we haven't talked to in a couple of years here. Um, Big Indiana Hoosier fan, it turns out. Someone I've gotten to know here over the past couple of years. Scotty Whitehouse is back on the podcast. Great to have you, sir. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I have a unique fandom as far as uh, I went to UC uh, as per my undergrad uh, all four years. And then, uh, but I'm a, I'm a born, uh, I'm like the Mike Titus as far as he goes to Ohio State, but loves his dad, his whole family are huge Hoosiers, very similar to me. And then, in fact, I, uh, I'm at IU right now in a graduate program just to just simply to say I'm an alumni. Of course, it's going to help my resume. But yeah, uh, I'm a born and uh, bred um, Hoosier fan um, and I'm happy to happy to come on and talk about Big Shot Rob. Well, that's the thing. Your worlds are colliding here today with the big <laughs> news that um, four year player Rob Finnessy, former point guard at Indiana University, has decided to take his talents to Cincinnati here for his final year of college eligibility. And on the outside looking in, I have to say like this interview is going to come later in the episode. People are probably just wrapping up, listening to me, maybe be a little bit more down on the commitment in terms of how does he fit in with the roster? What exactly are we trying to build here by adding another smallish point guard with, with seemingly not a lot of outside game. I feel like after going back and forth with you on Twitter a little bit uh, in the DMs, you have a little bit more of an optimistic view on what Rob Finnessy can bring to the table. And given that you spent a lot more time watching him, I wanted to pick your brain about what exactly you see is going to get with Rob Finnessy. Yeah, Rob has had um, a very unique college career. So Rob comes in on the same recruiting class as Romeo Langford, and, and Romeo Langford was the second coming of of, of Bobby Knight Jesus in Indiana um, coming out of New Albany. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to change the program. And Rob was a heck of a get. I mean, Rob comes out of Lafayette, Indiana. As people know, West Lafayette is Purdue. So we literally go into Purdue's backyard and, and pick 
uh, at the, as, as 20, 24-7 sports had him as like the 81st player. So we go in and we get him, and he's going to be Ra, or, uh, Romeo Langford's number two. Um, and we know Romeo's going to be um, a one and done. He was just that talented. Uh, so we thought, okay, Rob is going to be um, – he's the freshman year, it's going to be great. He's going to work with Romeo, and then he's going to be our guy. Uh, he is going to be our leader. His senior year is going to be something special. Uh, and Rob, unfortunately, had to deal with the wrath of Archie. Now, I will come out and say that I am one of the least – be, uh, the least uh, supportive uh, Archie fans out there. Um, I think that Archie, although when we hired him, I was over the moon. I think Archie um, had a lot of issues with control. Um, Indiana basketball is, is not your normal program. No offense to Dayton, but it is. Um, I mean, it's a religion there. And, um, you know, I, I, I look at some of the sec schools as far as football and, and, and and some of these bigger time programs, Kentucky comes to mind as far as basketball. It is not just basketball. It is a full time commitment to being the face of the program. And Archie never wanted to do that. Archie was not one to go to boosters meetings a ton, or he wasn't going to events. And you've got to wine and dine these folks um, in the, the, the great state of Indiana. So when Archie comes in, um, right away, our, uh, you know, Rob has this free-flowing playability as far as, you know, he's not, and he never will be a sharpshooter. He's not going to get hot from beyond the arc on a consistent night. It, it's just not his game. But what Rob is very, very good at is picking the right shots. Um, his slot, shot selection back in the day was, was, in my opinion, very good. Great facilitator. Um, but more importantly, just really took care of the ball uh, and was just a good guard um, and what we needed, you know, Romeo at the time we had Juan Howard uh, or not Juan Howard. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my God. I can't remember who, it, who, who our, our big guy was. I'm drawing a complete blank, but um, we, we had a good squad. Um, Definitely not. Would, we can confirm it was not Juwan It was not Juwan Howard. I'm drawing a complete blank who that was on the, on the, on the baseline there. But it, you know, we had, uh, we had a lot of uh, talent that was score and, and, and Rob wasn't the guy. Um, to, to be our scorer, we didn't need him to be that. Um, the issue with Archie was, um, is that Archie was um, a tyrant when it came to shot selection. There were reports that he would absolutely berate players, even after they would make a basket. He would come on and say, what the hell are you doing? Um, you know, it, it kind of became a, a funny joke of, of who's Archie going to give his, his scrawl to um, at the media timeouts because, you know, uh, Devonte Green threw up some three from the corner, drained it, but uh, you know, get a wide open look layup that he should have gone. Archie's offense is very slow, so Rob unfortunately had to deal with that. And and a lot of times, um, when that media timeout would go, and you know the camera would would pan over to the bench, Archie seemed to always go after Rob, and you could see the confidence um, start to dwindle his freshman year especially coming into the sophomore year. Romeo Lankford's not there. Um, the team is definitely down. Um, and he definitely had this, um, this, this confidence. The, best, the only word I can continue to say is confidence. The, the confidence was just not there. Um, he would have wide open looks that just, just never pulled the trigger. It, it became a joke on Larchie's last year where the defense was baiting Rob to shoot the ball and he wouldn't do it. Um, he was just so scared to get in trouble. You know, he'd say, oh, that, that leash is, 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 
no more than an inch right now because he couldn't do anything. Um, now, having said that, the nickname is Big Shot Rob, and he has some big shots. Um, so he would, uh, again, uh, against Butler in the Crossroads Classic his freshman year, um, a play is designed for Romeo Langford. Uh, the ball doesn't get to Romeo. The ball bounces around, gets to Rob. Rob shoots it from almost half court, drains it for the win. And the joke was, I'm sure Archie yelled at Rob for a poor shot selection, even though it's a buzzer beater, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, that's kind of the mentality that he had to deal with. And so that all progressed to where, I mean, it was, it, Rob was a shell of himself his junior year and uh, Archie gets fired. Woody comes in and the question goes, does, does Rob stay or go? And we completely understood at that time if Rob was going to stay or go. Um, Fennessy decides to come back and Woody comes in with this new mentality of, hey, let's get the team to be more free. I mean, obviously, as you know, Mike Woodson is, is, is an NBA guy. And so his goal is to really open up the floor. But you could still tell that Rob was so skittish um, on those first few games. Now, the other thing that was interesting was that Rob was our starter for, for, for three years. His senior year, quote unquote, or I guess is, is yeah, his year, he, this last year, was not a starter. He was a sixth man. Um, and that was different. And um, but. He, he came back and he started to play better and he dealt with some injuries. Um, I know back in like 2018, he had a concussion that took him out for a few years or for a few games, but you know, he, he dealt with some injuries and he was always sort of not a hundred percent. So this all comes to head um, on, I think it was January 20th. Uh, if I remember one of the best nights of my life, um, besides the IU beating Kentucky. But uh, IU is home against Purdue. Now, um, in the entire Archie era, IU has never beat Purdue. So that would mean Rob has never beat Purdue. And again, he's from Lafayette. And apparently, and I didn't text you this, but apparently um, Woody holds a one-on-one meeting with Rob the day of the game, brings him into his office. And he just says, hey, listen. And and again, Rob is still not 100% back. He's still getting his, his, that confidence. And I guess Woody says, if if you don't think anybody believes in you, I believe in you. He goes, I am in your corner, whatever you want, I'm here. That is a meeting that happened hours before the game. Goosebumps. 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 Uh, Rob goes out. And I, I, it's funny. I talked to my dad. I said, we need, um, we need 15 points uh, from somebody other than Trace Jackson Davis. That was, that was what I said. We need 15 points from somebody other than TJD. Um, and we need, I said, and the quote was five three-pointers to beat Purdue. Rob goes out in the first 39 minutes and 30 seconds, drains five three-pointers. There's your 15 points and there's your five three-pointers. And we're in that game and Rob is playing phenomenal. Like it is his game. And the crowd is going nuts, sold out. Um, tie ball game, I think it's 65-65, 30 seconds left. I just got the ball. Woody draws up a play specifically for Rob to take that shot, to take the lead. Um, ball comes around the corner. I remember it's the top uh, top right of the key, um, or I think top left, I think, and, and, and Rob shoots it and misses it. Wide open look. It was his shot to make. He missed it. Um, and you think, oh, my God, we're going to fall just short. We're going to lose to Purdue. Because um, we were up, I think, at some point of like 15. That was, just, uh, by the way, that's the complete theme of IU's basketball last year. Uh, we would like to get up by 15 to 20. We were up 22 at Wisconsin. That was really cool, and we lost that game. Um, we would like to get up and then let the other team completely come back. So that was really fun. And we thought, here we go again. So uh, the ball goes out of bounds. Um, basically, uh, another timeout. I can't remember how the, the situation happened, but I know that IU had the ball. 
And um, apparently Woody draws up another play for, for Rob. And he, and uh, he says, Hey, it's coming to you. And, and, and the, the, the original play possibly could have, there was two options um, for Miller cop to go down low or to go to the left side, uh, went to the left side corner, Rob swish. We go up three, wound up winning the game and storm the court. And it is literally like Rudy. They lift him up on his, on his shoulders. And he is, he's the, not just the hometown hero, other than the Purdue fans, he's the state hero for a week. I mean, just everybody was talking about this kid finally beat his hometown university that he didn't go to. He came back, big shot Rob is back, the confidence is back. Uh, eight, day late, eight days later, he gets injured with uh, plantar fasciitis and is out pretty much for the remainder of the season, comes and goes, and just never gets his confidence back. So the whole point of what I'm telling you is, is that when you think about Rob Fennessy, you can't just look at the stats. He's never had a real season where he could be himself. He was always either um, getting pushed down by a former coach or he's always, always getting pushed down by injury. I mean, just last year he was injured. I mean, he only played, I would say maybe 15 games, you know, I mean, it wasn't a lot. So it, it is a different look. Um, but, but he is, uh, and, and I know we'll start to talk a little bit more about his, his, his play, but just to, to paint a picture, he is a absolute favorite of, of Indiana fans. Um, we are all rooting for him. We want the best for him. Everybody is tweeting out. Good job, Rob, go get them. Um, you know, they're, they're pumped for it. Um, I would love Rob to have another big shot against Xavier. That would just literally be the cream of the crop if he were to come in and do that. But no, I think, um, you guys, and you see they're getting a player that has never really had an opportunity to blossom and maybe Wes can, can come in and do that. So much good information in there. Um, I obviously had to pull up sort of the game log here and take a look at some things. Rob Finnessy shot 50% or worse in every game last year, except for the Purdue game. He, he went yeah. eight of 13 in that game, four of seven from three, four steals, 20 points. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a complete outlier in terms of what happened the rest of the year. And it could be because of injuries and inconsistent minutes, whatever the case may be. That is pretty cool. That's a pretty magical moment for a guy from, um, do you say West Lafayette? For yeah, for Lafayette. Yeah, Lafayette, and by the way, yeah. there's the urban legend. The the, uh, the, uh, the you know the the whole myth. I I said he went five for whatever. Oh, he made six. I mean, the oh, urban that's going to be now. that's going to be seven threes by in, in yeah. Years, oh, by the, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it's that's going to be, gonna be made, seven eight threes. Every, yeah, it's exactly. But honestly, that's what it felt like. I don't even know how many. I just know that. He went off, and like I said, it, it was that was Rob's game. So, uh, you know, there you go. So over, I mean, through the, I know you're saying that he's not a guy who's going to be necessarily captured by statistics. It sounds like a guy who might be, you know, your classic college point guard who doesn't take a ton of risks, just kind of runs the offense for a coach. Um, I can certainly relate to, you know, having players who you thought were very talented being suppressed um, or, you know, kind of by overbearing coaches, right? Like, it's not like Mick Cronin was ever a guy that would let freshmen or young talented players play freely and make a ton of mistakes. Oddly enough, Wes Miller is exactly that. You know, uh -huh. if we, if we had a gripe with Wes Miller last year, is that our guys needed to be reined in more. There needed to be more accountability for bad decision-making with the ball, uh, for terrible shot selection. And not to say that guys can't play, but just, Hey, how are we going to improve these decisions as the season goes along? So if you're talking about a guy with a good pedigree, 
um, some natural talent that could be unlocked with some more freedom. You know, he's definitely going into the right situation there. Um, but stylistically, you know, as someone who's followed IU basketball closely, but also uh, UC on the periphery, the guy who's coming to mind for me is Justin Jennifer. And Justin Jennifer, yeah. his senior year, had a great, you know, three-point percentage, but he was not a risk taker. He was someone who would not, you know, everyone bragged about the, the assist-to-turnover ratio, but to some extent, that means you're not taking risks. And it, it means you're also not making as many plays offensively is there any credibility or you know validity to that comparison no i actually that's brilliant i mean that is literally exactly what i can imagine him being like um i do think that he's got a little bit more talent than than, than jennifer um he he has the ability to um control a game um not just from again not just from scoring ability but from just the flow uh defensively he is a beast um, he's a, 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 a grinder. Um, he's not afraid to be dirty and, and get down there um, and go after balls. I mean, hell, that's why he gets injured sometimes. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that's exactly a great comparison to him. Um, you know, like I said, he's not going to um, he'll, you know, he'll get himself in some foul trouble sometimes. But again, that, that results in just on defense being a little too aggressive. He makes some stupid fouls, but for, he's a pretty good free throw shooter. I mean, he's the best way to describe it. He's pretty good, right? All around. He's um, he's going to get the guys who need to score the ball. And if he's feeling it and if he gets that confidence, his nickname is Big Shot Rob for a reason, right? He can make those big shots. And so, um, yeah, I think on the team, you know, IU had a lot of disciplinary actions this year. I mean, hell, we played uh, Northwestern with six players because five of them got suspended, um, you know. Rob is not one that's going to be um, one that, that is going to get in a, in a ton of trouble. Um, for the most part, he has been pretty clean cut. Like I said, he, he's, a, he's just a good locker room guy. Um, well-spoken um, basketball IQ. You can tell just from his, his, his interviews, he, he's got it. Um, and I think that Wes can come in and maybe say, Hey, listen, I need you to help me. As you said, bring those guys in. That's, that's, that's what he would do. I mean, that's what he has been able to do. Um, I mean, in a sense, he was the leader of our, of our um, second, second line, you know, um, he was, he was the backup point guard and came in and, and I never felt uncomfortable when he was in the game. Um, I probably felt like he could have done a little bit more from, um, from a stylistic standpoint of, hey, hey, why don't you score for us? But I never <laughs> thought that he was going to lose us the game. And there was never an opportunity, if the ball was in his hands, that he was going to lose it. I don't think he's going to win it. And I don't think, you know, if we're up by 10, he's going to be the reason he's going to have five or six turnovers. Um, but, you know, for majority, he's just, he, he's just a solid player. I love that Justin Jefferson comparison because I think that's exactly, that, exactly what he is. You're, you're working me back to neutral in terms of being more open-minded about what we've got here. I, I, I was surprised to hear that he's a fan favorite because anytime I'm seeing shooting splits a senior year of 31% from the field, 26% from three, and 41% from the free throw line, albeit on very few attempts, obviously I think like that's got to be incredibly frustrating to watch. But if he is a fan favorite and there is a lot of support behind him, it also tells me that he's probably doing just about everything else solid right? He's defending very well. He may not be, uh, he doesn't have turnover issues. He's just solid on the basketball court. And if there is something else we need, you know, t a tenacious defensive presence on the wing or, or in the backcourt is something that would certainly be beneficial. And it's certainly something that a crowd 
or a fan base like the Cincinnati Bearcats fan base can rally around. It's not like John Newman III was setting the world on fire offensively. What we identified with was the effort, the athleticism, and just the, the care that he had game in, game out. That was Bearcat basketball encapsulated. And so if Rob Finnessy can bring that type of mentality and that type of style of basketball to the backcourt, um, whether it's in a starter or reserve role, I, I think there's a place for him to kind of find his own niche during this one year stint with Cincinnati. Yeah. I, again, he, the, all the stats, all of his style, like, again, I can't even explain really um, what he's going to do because I've just never seen him in the right environment. Um, but I'll tell you one thing on defensively, he's tough on offensively. He is a little soft and um no offense to the AAC, uh, but I think that he will benefit from coming in and playing some of those softer guards on defense um, when he's on offense um, and be able to facilitate. I mean, there were guys who punked him um, uh, a lot of times. And then again, that would crush his confidence a little bit more. Um, and so I do think that if he gets in the right, like I said, um, right environment, he gets a little, builds up a little confidence. What, what, what you need is Rob to have two to three really good games. And I think he's back and he will be your leader. Um, I don't know whether he starts or not, but I, I can tell you that um, he will be a leader in that blocker. A hundred percent. He's seen it. Um, he knows the big games. He's been a part of it. He's made two big, big shots um, that have um, gone and taken him down uh, in history as, as a very, very big fan favorite. And, and we are all rooting for Rob um, it, almost as a carry, like, the best way to describe it is we just want to give Rob the biggest hug and say, we love you, man. Like just go off because you deserve, he deserves it. He deserves a really, really good year. And I think in a different environment, he'll be there. I, and I, I promise you, I will go to a game just to watch it because I, I loved watching him at IU and it would be fun to see him in person. Scotty, that's excellent feedback about this player. Um, I, I feel like you've kind of given some, something for people to hang on to personality wise. Um, it kind of introduces us to kind of the the trials and tribulations that he's had to deal with. We can certainly, you know, sympathize with a guy who had to, to deal with Archie Miller. And the fact that this somehow uh, le- gave you the opportunity to come on this podcast and preach uh, the weaknesses of Archie Miller, I'm here for it. Because that was a name. That was, <laughs> that's a guy who was tied to Cincinnati early on in that coaching carousel. You don't want situation, him. And I, that was a big no thank you for me. So, uh uh, let's name, go ahead. And his play. name is Archie for a reason after Archie Bunker. So he's just, I mean, I'm not, he's, he's just not a, not a fan. Let's just say that. All right. Well, we'll hold out hope that Rob can put some things together next season. Yeah. Um, offensively make a few shots, uh, but at a bare minimum, hopefully we're getting a, a it sounds like we're getting a, a great locker room guy, solid, solid basketball player on the court. So I'll wait and see. I appreciate the additional perspective. You're talking me off the ledge a little bit. And uh, appreciate you doing this on last second's notice, man. Go get some no sleep. No problem. Yep, I'm going to go get some sleep. Uh, go Bearcats and uh, go Big Shot Rob. Let's have a great season for him. All right, Scotty. Appreciate it, man. Yeah.